Hello, you are listening to the Roll for Crit podcast. It's the place you love to go for news and discussion on board, card, and all tabletop games. Role-playing games, too. We cover everything on this show. Happy to have you with us. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and yeah, so much to cover and so little time, including maybe a little update to a story, which of course dropped right after we released last week's podcast. Yes, that did happen. Maybe a couple little updates like that. Some interesting some interesting news and things happening this week, but before we get into the meat of the show, we do always have to begin by checking in on our podcast mascot, Roland F. Criterion whom we created in Dungeons and Dragons. He is an Asimar bard, and he frequently goes on adventures throughout the episodes of our show. Last week, he was trying to escape in the midst of a crowded new city after accidentally immolating a guard with fire potion breath. He escaped by throwing his cloak onto a nearby civilian in order to distract a guard so they wouldn't get a good uh, look at him and make his way around a corner. And this seems to have worked uh, for now. In fact, he has found temporary shelter. It seems like it seems like no one is right on his tail chasing him down. This is, by the way, for anyone listening who's new, uh, a, an ostensibly good character, but he is currently a fugitive <laughs> of the law. To be and fair, he didn't know what was going to happen when he drank that potion at the time. It's true. It's true. We, no, no, nobody knew what, what was what was going on. I didn't even know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he is now being approached by a strange hooded figure who comes from around the corner Oh, again. And uh, yeah, another another hooded figure that this one, this one seems a little he strikes him as a little odd, a, a little a little suspicious, uh, seems seems humanoid, but they're under this hood. So you can't quite tell uh, perhaps uh, what species this this figure is. And they see him and and and, and say hello, stranger, and and tell him, I- I've heard I've heard of your of your great work in starting the revolution against the guards of this city. I've, I've been following you since you entered the city. The, the city here is under siege. The guards are terrible. They're oppressing the citizens. I want to enlist you as part of our resistance force. Very exciting stuff. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know we're going to get some help for today's episode. We're not doing this just by ourselves. We are being joined today by the marketing manager for Pandasaurus Games, who's going to help see us through some of this stuff. Welcome to the show, Danny Lowe. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on, you two. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for sitting through that uh, flavorful <laughs> introduction. <laughs> Now, we do have some interesting things to talk about today, but we really need your help right now. We we need you to help us decide, help Roland decide, how should he react to this stranger? Should should he take them up on their offer? Should he try to negotiate? Should he just run away? Should he fight them? Anything you want. Uh, he is a bard. He has instruments on hand, a, a couple of rudimentary weapons, uh, but he's a low-level character, if that, if that helps you any. <laughs> Um, well, I typically play bards or rogues in my D&D games. And so I'd always try to uh, counter offer, maybe charm mm. them with a song. Mm, mm. So maybe, maybe, maybe Roland wants a little, uh, a little payment in exchange for the services. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. What do you, what do you think, Will? What, what's he gonna, I, uh, is this gonna be another persuasion or if you char- charm with a song, he could... 
he, he could play a little tune and <laughs> say, hey, I, I, I'm worth more than just resistance fighting. You should be paying me for entertainment as well. I don't know, because that's the, this is the sort of the exact opposite kind of character I play, because I am terrible at charisma, so I don't try to role play. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> And you wouldn't, and you don't trust anyone either. <laughs> oh, that too. But that's that, that's not usually my characters. They're nicer. Well, if that's how we're how we're going, why don't why don't we do uh, why don't we do a little? You know, we'll do a persuasion check. But how about for for the sake of it? Because you know, we we break the rules here. I just make things up. I'll give you advantage on this roll. Okay, <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Uh, let me grab a second die. Then I had a bright orange. Or <laughs> well, you could one. roll it twice. I mean, that's uh, also no, I, I grabbed a handful. I got <laughs> oh, okay. a nice sky blue one. All right, we've got a fourteen, uh, and the orange brings a nineteen. So wow! I think. Oh man, it's a it, it's an easy win. This guy is clearly impressed by Roland's feats of both song and breathing fire, and is happy to offer him uh, a, a nice reward, a steady a steady payment in in coin for his efforts. We'll see how this partnership progresses as the weeks go on. But now, I, now, hold on. What kind of coin here? Uh, he just said coin wasn't specified. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. What is it? Uh, uh, electrolytes. What's the, what's the, oh, I, I was worried. It might be like uh, know, like dragon coin, like hmm. the, the new NFT coin going around. <laughs> oh, it still race. could be. We'll get to that. All right. That's enough tomfoolery. Let's talk about actual board game news. We will be, begin the show with our news roundup segment. News roundup. Okay. First, as uh, Will alluded to, we have kind of an update. Last week, we talked about the fact that the digital version of Pandemic was no longer available on different storefronts. Uh, still, as the time of this recording, there's a, a little bit, there's like a week left where you can still get it on the Switch and maybe on Windows, I think. But it's gone from Steam. It's gone from mobile platforms. And we were speculating as to the reason Right as we released last week's episode, Asmodee actually responded. They actually sent a response to PC Gamer, uh, who had been reporting on the story. And their reason for why it was taken down was, quote, we no longer feel the current quality and reliability of the game is on par with what Pandemic deserves on digital platforms. The time has come to make way for the digital future of Pandemic. Uh, they specified that people who own Pandemic now are still going to have it. You can play it. You can download it. It's okay if you have it. It's not going to go away. And also that you can currently play it in Board Game Arena, which conveniently Asmodee also owns uh, as of now. They didn't mention any specific plans about like a new version of Pandemic Digital or anything like that. Uh, but it maybe sounds like that's what they're alluding to. Danny, what do you what do you think about you know, this whole thing with pandemic, the, the removing of digital versions of games or, and do you think that does there come a time when a version of a game, maybe like a physical edition of a game becomes outdated and you just need to get rid of it and start fresh? For sure. I think so. Um, when I read the announcement, I was pretty surprised actually that the digital version had been around for so long, almost a decade. Uh, longer than my entire yeah. professional board game career. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you raise a good point about like the the physical games often getting refreshed at the the five or even ten year mark. Um, and just thinking about how far technology has grown over the last even two years, 
I think there's a lot of um, opportunity for the new digital pandemic to implement a lot of new fun features. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. That, then you pointed out like that nine years is a, yeah, that is a really long time. Like that feels in my head, that's before digital board games were really a thing. Right. I mean, so, you know, this, this is really talking about one of the first board game apps that wasn't just like a web version of Yahtzee or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, which is, which is kind of impressive. Uh, Will, what do you think? Does this, you know, last week we were kind of, I think we were both kind of cynical and saying they're doing this because I don't know, they sort of underhanded (laughs) reasons, but well, the big reason was because they said without a reason, initially they didn't, they were, they couldn't, they said they couldn't say at the time of recording. (laughs) Yeah. And that was more of the issue because i mean like like in physical board games we have seen like we're releasing the new edition which we're going to probably stop printing that one but i don't think there's as much of an uproar because they're like all right there's this game is still available unless for some reason maybe like the quality is much worse between editions or something but i don't think that's new but with digital games it's a little bit weirder like i don't think anyone's ever complained about old versions in fact people will keep rebuying i mean John, how many times have you bought Mario 64? <laughs> <laughs> Only three or four. <laughs> like, I, I think people are happy with an old version still being available, but I feel like maybe because as, I don't know, if you're in the video game world, you're used to it, you're conditioned to it. I can imagine if they wanted to release a new pandemic, not just take them to um, Board Game Arena. That they don't want to have, like, if I search Steam for Pandemic and see two titles to get confused and buy the the less quality one, as it may be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think a company as large as Asmodee, they have a lot of brand standards and they have the resources to kind of enforce the experience they want their their customers to have. So like you said, if there were two versions up and people kept picking the older one because it had more reviews or the SEO was better... Uh, but the new version has all of these new features that create a better experience, um, but they aren't choosing that. I can see why they would pull the old one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing to me that's still like the mystery of it is they they use this phrase, the digital future of pandemic. But I'm not sure if that future is just board game arena or is does that mean they are going to make a new version of a digital pandemic that's standalone? I think, at least I hope they do, because I think it is such a big title that they could do that. Like, I can imagine someone being like, I want to do a one-time purchase, because I only want to play Pandemic. Also, you know, you look at Pandemic. I mean, I said this last week, I think, as well. But, like, it would be the perfect place to be like, you buy the Pandemic. Now, for, you know, ten ninety nine, you can add the expansion, or the Rome, or the Dutch Water, like... Mm-hmm. It'd be all the pandemics. In particular, mm-hmm. I would love to see digital version for the legacy things, only because it, it, it would be a really fun way to sort of store it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. I, I wonder if maybe because right now, Board Game Arena uh, is strictly a web browser thing. I wonder if maybe they have any plans to make a Steam version or app version of Board Game Arena, so it's like its own infrastructure its own thing outside of your web browser and maybe that would be 
kind of their future thing is they're just going to have a hub for all their games. I don't know. I don't think that's ideal because I, I do like when there's individual bells and whistles and achievements and stuff like that. But the the big thing is you just brought up it's a web browser, but bringing up a web browser on a computer is very easy. Game consoles not so much, and I'm sure you right. want to put things on there too. Because to, I mean, I like for example for me, I love taking my Switch on the go. So having that as a board game option would be great. You know, Xbox and Microsoft of being in the news of buying, you know everything now i'm <laughs> sure getting some stuff in the game pass would get people very excited more likely to be like oh this is fun and then find the physical versions right yeah yeah i mean i have to assume it's a profitable choice for them because what was pandemic going for on steam probably 10 bucks maybe 15 bucks um and i sure you have to pay i guess a monthly fee i think it's probably one of the premium games on uh, board game arena but are they banking on that? Are they really trying to drive people there? Or is that just a side thing while they prep another version? I don't know. We will have to wait and find out. But for now, you have uh, less than a week to buy Pandemic on the Switch or Windows <laughs> if you really, really want the current version of it. Uh, next is another follow-up story to uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about this falling out between uh, Yellow US and Yellow France. Yellow France announced they were going to be looking for a new distributor, a new partner in the United States uh, or uh, in North America. And there's, it's also kind of a follow-up to the Flat River Group because we also talked about them recently. They are the company who just published, or sorry, just purchased the publisher Greater Than Games. And that is the people that uh, Yellow has announced they are now going to be working with. They're going to be the U.S. and Canadian distributor for all Yellow games going forward. Uh, so we can expect to see them handling the the new line of, of Yellow games coming out, as well as, I assume, uh, previous titles in their catalog that will also be showing up under that umbrella. Uh, as, as usual, I feel like with a lot of these stories, my go-to line for some of this higher end, higher up industry stuff is that uh, chances are you as the consumer listening won't notice any difference in terms of these things. Maybe, you know, right now is such a weird time anyway with all this stuff going on that maybe there will be um, easier to find products or harder to find products. But the way things are going right now, I don't, I feel like you can't really pinpoint any of that on something like this there's just too many other factors right now so i would wager odds are no one will really uh notice much of a change but hopefully it's a it's a good partnership for them uh, danny i know that uh as as someone who formerly uh worked at yellow you, you can't speak too much on this subject just for professional reasons but is there maybe could you give us maybe any insight broadly speaking into uh the how the partnership of distribution and publishing works in the industry and maybe what sort of uh, thought might have gone into a decision like this? Absolutely. Um, so at Pandasaurus, we currently work with Flat River uh, for some of our sales. So we're very happy with them. I think it's a, a strong move. Um, how the industry typically works for our sales channel. I I think it's unique compared to other industries because we, as publishers, sell to distributors, we sell to game stores, and we sell to um, direct-to-customers, so direct-to-players. Uh, Flat River is a distributor, so they'll sell to other customers, game stores, uh, mass market, like Amazon, Target, and so on. Um, 
and they're very good at what they do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. having a partner you can trust who has connections to all these other channels just provides lots of lots more opportunities for your games to get in front of people. Um, I also translate the rule books for Yellow France uh, into the English versions. So I can say that Yellow's got some fun stuff coming up in the next year or two. That's that's awesome. You, are, do you speak fluent French? <laughs> yeah, yes, it was my You kind of have to to college. get that job. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, just been winging it. <laughs> just <yeah>. don't... <laughs> word by word. <laughs> I, that's. I feel like I could fill up a whole episode asking you questions about the the job of localizing rule books. That's really interesting. But yeah, but, uh, we 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 won't have time for that today. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but but I appreciate. I definitely appreciate the insight. Uh, Will any uh, any other thoughts on this, or do you are you in the same camp as me, where it's just like yeah, cool, and you know. I mean, obviously, Flat River Group is preparing for the inevitable apocalypse of the kaiju, so they obviously have yeah. to go to yellow to make right. sure they get the information of what how to prepare for the kaiju invasion. Yeah, they have they have the King of Tokyo knowledge on hand now. They're going to use that to their advantage. I think I think you're correct. Uh, <laughs> Sounds right. Well. Hopefully this works out for everybody, and that's uh, been resolved more or less going forward. I still don't know exactly where this leaves Yellow USA as a publisher. I, I haven't seen like a statement from them as to what they are going to do at this point, or if, if that name, if, are they even allowed to have that name? That whole relationship to be honest, I didn't quite understand. Jonathan, uh, I'm sure they'll make an announcement right after you finish editing this podcast. That's probably what it is. Yeah, they'll wait for that. So we'll talk about it next week. But in any case, we wish uh, nothing but the best. Hey, speaking of all the weird things going on in the world and possibility of it being hard to find product, th- there's no you know, delays in board games are not anything new right now. Uh, we've been hearing about the issues with shipment all over the place, uh, but there is one notable new one that we can discuss, which is uh, Magic the Gathering's new unset, Unfinity, which was scheduled to be released April 1st of this year and has now been delayed to a non-specific second half of 2022. Uh, so it's my understanding that the Un series are sort of where they are able to they they play it a little bit loose. They go with some wacky kind of card ideas, uh, hence it being released on April Fool's Day. But I guess that part of the joke is no longer going to be going to be an ish, a thing there. Uh, so I think this is notable because it is Wizards of the Coast, who I would have thought was sort of immune to if anyone was immune to these supply chain issues. They do say that it is. Quote, due to ongoing supply chain complications from challenges associated with COVID-19. They also say that this delay is specific to Unfinity, so it sounds like it's not affecting their other products. Uh, I'll go to you, Will, as always, because you're the magic guy. Is there a, you know, do you, is there speculation? Is there anything specific about Unfinity that would make this happen? Or is this just a random, well, who knows? I know they tend to do things usually much earlier than the release. It's, it's actually why it's been surprising. The set that's coming out next, Kamigawa, uh, there's been a ton of spoilers. Like people who, I guess, who they've shipped the stores and they're like, yeah, we're going to still show a picture of a card. The mm-hmm. unset, like you said, it's more of a, it's meant to be a joke set. So I imagine it's like, they're like, we're having any troubles. Where should we, what something's got to get pushed. 
it, it makes sense the unset would be the one to um mm. now I, I will say it almost makes sense now that it's not on April 1st anymore because the previous sets, all of them have what's called a silver border, meaning they're illegal in pretty much every format because they're all jokes. Like they would do things that like for every time uh this card gets power for every shoe on on it or <laughs> Like everyone hold their breath and whoever holds their breath the longest does, something, you know, like it's every dexterity game you can think of. They throw in the, like something like that. Right. But this one will actually have cards that are legal in certain formats. So mm. they no longer have the silver border. So I don't know how this set's going to come out. Um, theme wise, you'd like it. It's all space. <laughs> it's a space carnival. Hmm. That's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I just imagine it's more or less because maybe something had to drop and this as i said it's the unset so it's the one that would be less disappointing for a delay got it uh so danny again as someone who maybe is a little bit closer to these things than we are what what has been your experience with the shipment delays that are going on right now and what do you think about, you know, a, even a big company like Wizards of the Coast? And I'm sure Pandasaurus has also been affected by these kinds of delays. Yeah. <laughs> Insert nervous laughter. Um, <laughs> this has been one of the struggles of all of 2021 and then also so far in 2022. Um, it may be likely that they didn't have control over which product was delayed. Uh for example, Trek 12. I've been talking about Trek 12 since like August of 2021. It hit the LA port in September. It was slated for a, a November release. And then it just sat in the port for two whole months in the country, but not off the boat. <laughs> we had oh, no right. access to it. Um, mm. So in that case, it's just the docks have... Uh, they don't have enough workers or there's not enough containers. There's no trucks to get it to our warehouse. There was all of the above, right? And uh, thankfully, Trek 12 was not the biggest release of fall for us, but um, we've had to postpone the release until February just because uh, it finally hit our warehouse the week of Christmas. <laughs> uh, and releasing it the week of Christmas was not the best decision for the life of the product. So then we chose to delay it um, six more weeks. Uh, but yeah, that's a very common issue that many publishers are facing that they have absolutely no control over. And it, it stinks because you've already paid to make the product, to ship the product, and now you potentially have to pay storage fees in the port, <laughs> which is seems silly because they're the ones causing the delays. Um, so it's just like this cascading effect of, of bad things. What do they do if you don't pay it? Like, just put it on the street? Like, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> they throw it on the sidewalk like a couch that someone doesn't want anymore. Well, the, the, then you can just wait by the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant plan. That's how you work around this. Yeah, this is go. the new way to play your games. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 certainly upsetting, uh, and it's it's an issue. And you know, board games have never had the most stable of release dates. But I, you know, trading card games like Magic is usually, I guess they're not that stable either. But they usually they're, have like each year I mean, a specific quarter at like a period where it comes out right ignoring the secret layers which magic has not been as great on 
they usually are I, I don't feel like that's been too many times when they say like this is the pre-release date. It's coming now because they got to send all the kits out and stuff. And even like if you go to, you know, most of your mass market stores when it came to the card sections, you know, because of the, the pandemic and stuff, you know, there's been a lot more buying. So she like Pokemon cards, things like that. Usually you could still go there and pick up some magic. It's there. Right. So like, yeah, I do think it is interesting that they they finally are like, OK, we give up. Something's <laughs> delayed. <laughs> yeah, something's got to give eventually. Everybody, everybody's got to feel this pain. At, at Unfortunately, some it was there. suspended with a few more time counters on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going away anytime soon either. I think this is uh, probably going to be at least somewhat of an issue for, I don't know, could be years. I mean, it, it could be forever. <laughs> I well, really... Wait a minute, Danny. You, surely you guys at Pandasaurus have a time machine. I mean, with the loop and that time you <laughs> killed me. So you, you could tell us what's going down, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, unfortunately, those uh, have been given back to the game designers. We no longer have mm. access to them. <sighs> yeah. It's too bad. It, got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are also, I mean, also Pandasaurus puts out a, a good number of games every year. So, I mean, the fact that uh, kudos to you guys, the, the fact that you've gotten out as many as you have been able to, and uh, to, to my mind, at least have kept it like pretty, consistent in terms of releases it's, you know with the exception of a couple maybe like you mentioned trek 12 that's it's impressive to me at least oh thanks yeah we, we ended up releasing 10 games last year every single one of them was delayed past the release date <laughs> i announced but they made it <laughs> yeah see this shows you how how involved i am with it. kickstarter has trained us to to if, if there's a release date i'm like okay so i'll get it three months after that maybe well <laughs> i think it's also just a matter of patience right <laughs> i've learned that my life tends to be a little bit better <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yeah, lower your expectations, everybody. All right. Uh, we've got more, believe it or not, even more news. This is kind of a big week. Uh, next up, it's another edition of Jonathan trying to understand what NFTs are and why they exist and who they're for. This is not the first time we've heard of a board game publisher entering into the NFT world, but it's uh, one of the bigger ones here, Exploding Kittens. They recently, so this is Exploding Kittens, the name of the company, to be clear, who owns the Exploding Kittens game. They also recently acquired the Happy Salmon game from North Star Games, and they've announced they have made 10 3D laser printable NFTs, uh, the world's first of, of that kind, if you can believe it. And uh, they are going to be giving them away. People can try to compete to win them, and you will receive this uh, laser printable file with the blockchain and all of the, the minting of it. <laughs> it's all going to be official with uh, numbers and codes and everything so that you know you own this Happy Salmon NFT. Uh, NFT is kind of a weird, controversial and confusing subject, I think, in most areas. Danny, do you have an opinion on NFTs or the you know, the mingling of that technology with board games. I mean, this is in this case, it seems like kind of a it's a frivolous sort of side thing. But we've also seen it being talked about in use of more uh, actual board game technology, maybe the more directly involved with games. W what do you think of the potential uses of all that? So 
Usually, I'm all for innovative technology being merged with board games, reaching new audiences, pushing the boundaries of what we currently do. However, I am not a fan of NFTs. <laughs> I don't Fair see enough. what they provide to the player or the companies, um, not to mention the environmental impact. All in all, it seems like a bad decision. Yeah, I, I think, I feel like most people would agree with you. And I'm always, it's always interesting to see that the response to the announcement of NFTs from a company always seems to be largely negative, but then they keep doing it. So I'm like, well, I guess a lot of people aren't negative about it. Must be people that really like it uh, if they're going to keep doing it. Uh, there's also the effect of by them doing this, you know, they're only printing 10 of them. Uh, I mean, maybe they would do more if it was uh, people really were interested in it, but uh, you might, at least I might speculate that they're just doing this for marketing reasons, that this gets them a headline. It gets people talking about it. NFTs are a thing. So if you're not doing an NFT, then you're not part of the NFT conversation. Uh, Will, I know you're not into the NFTs, but anything particular about happy salmon and exploding kittens change the situation? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't care. And in fact, they probably have, if you told me magic or transformers or whatever, like they're making NFTs, I'd be like, I'm disappointed in them. Mm -hmm. I just right now, any benefits, I, I see little to or very few benefits versus the negatives. Like one of the reasons we love online was like, you know, back when, remember we had Napster because everyone can get it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't like things being limited. I, I want people to play games or hear music or do whatever. The, limited for limited sake. I, I, I'm just not a big fan of. Like, I understand there's certain things like you can't infinitely print a board game, but they're, 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 the digital space allows us, the whole point of it is it should allow us to not have to worry about that. Yeah, I think in, in this case, too, any of the potential benefits that people might argue for NFTs, I don't think they apply here because there's 10 of them. They're just giving them away. And it's not like, oh, good, the artist of the piece will get compensation or something or you'll be able to prove ownership of your uh, like, like it's just such a frivolous, dumb, <laughs> you know, Happy Salmon is a fun, goofy party game. And it's it's just kind of weird to be like, oh, now that we own this, we're going to NFT it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely uh, in the same camp. I think it's 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 strange. I You know, there, we, there have been interesting. We talked about a while ago on the show. There's that trading card game online that used NFTs. I feel like there are some interesting potential uses of it. But at least, especially for something like this, it's, yeah, it doesn't, I, I just don't see the upside. What's weird is it seems like you get the file, you may print it, right? <laughs> but then the file's destroyed. So really, they're just giving away a, a plaque or something. And why don't they just do that? Yeah. <laughs> no one would be angry. It's really just, yeah, I think, right. like you said, Jonathan, it's a buzzword. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, got us to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I was to examine this giveaway from a marketing standpoint, they're just testing the waters and seeing if they can go for more NFTs. Like they limited it to 10 to show it's a one-time thing, seeing their audience reaction so that if the audience sees it super negatively, they can be like, oh, well, now we won't do that again. Uh, whereas if they were just to announce, hey, we're 
doing NFTs for all of our products now, there's kind of no scaling that back. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, I don't work for Exploding Kittens, so who knows what's going on behind behind the scenes, but that is my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that's... definitely... I mean, we've seen that with plenty of video game companies, especially since they got, like you said, John, a lot of backlash. But um, it is a little weird because I think usually Exploding Kittens, I hear them do like weird things. You know, like they always had the booth that gives away vegetables. Right, right. Or like <laughs> Burning Cat, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and this feels like the, I mean, maybe some people would say it's weird because it's the ed, cutting edge. But to me, it's like, this is the opposite. This is like the yeah. current market trend. Right. There's nothing about this press release that's like funny or <laughs> silly. There's no artwork. Yeah. <laughs> the link you get is just white and black. Yeah. It's, there it's, is literally no other color there. <laughs> it does not feel on brand for them at all. So, yeah, I, I think uh, what you said, Danny, sounds, I, I would guess, spot on that it's it's kind of a testing phase. And we'll see uh, if if people are into it or not. All right. Finally, a few game announcements that I was kind of interested in and excited about, particularly they're all based on licensed IPs. Uh, there are three of them. I will read through them and then we can discuss uh, from portal games. They've announced a new ad uh, entry into their detective series. And this one is based on Batman. It's called everybody lies or uh, I, I believe Batman colon everybody lies. Yes. That's the full official title. And it's going to be using their detective system wherein you're reading through cards, trying to find clues and going on the Internet on a special website to enter in evidence and DNA and things like that. And of course, it will all feature Batman and other Batman characters. Uh, then there's also uh, been announced from Steamforged Games, two RuneScape themed games, RuneScape, which is a freeware online MMO, or at least it used to be. Then there was a paid version I'm not sure what the state of it is now, frankly, because I last played it when I was in seventh grade and it was it was a big hit at the time before WoW existed. It was kind of a fun thing to do. They're doing an RPG and some kind of a, a board game based on that property. And Funko Games has announced uh, an E.T. game that pretty much recreates the the story of the movie. You're helping E.T. find his way home, uh, continuing with their uh, pretty good track record at this point of doing these licensed games. Danny, any of these three particularly excite you or any of them based on properties that you have a real attachment to? I saw the portal announcement a couple days ago um, and <laughs> it immediately caught my eye because I'm a huge DC fan. Um, I have a Wonder Woman tattoo. She's my hero. And so I've read <laughs> a lot of Batman as well. Um, so I think it's a really smart pairing having detective with the Batman theme on top. Um, and I think obviously detective has been has won awards it's really well regarded in the board game scene so we already know this this theming uh is not just going to be uh, a cash grab it's actually got a good game underneath which i think is really important yeah it's it's interesting how yeah detective has become kind of their biggest mass market title now that they've done more streamlined, like casual versions of it and different spinoffs. Uh, they recently did the Dune edition of it. And I, I feel like compared to Dune, you know, Batman makes so much more sense as a, a oh, theme. Yeah. It's, it's like a perfect fit. I, I know, Will, I know you are interested in that too, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of 
just these mystery solving games in general, but I feel a lot of times, I mean, fairly because, it, you know, it's in the public domain, they go to Sherlock Holmes and stuff, but I, I feel like this is like, I mean, he is supposed to be more or less Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited because it's not just him beating up villains. I mean, sometimes my favorite stories of him are more less combat-y, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like this is a perfect fit for him in the tabletop area. Nothing against all like the, um, the miniatures game, which I'm totally forgetting. Yeah. But yeah. this is much more, you know, my bread and butter on that. And I'm honestly surprised RuneScape took this long. <laughs> just seems like the kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, f- well. First, I just I'll just say that uh, I I will say something against the other Batman games because honestly, all of them I've never been excited about a Batman board game, even though I love Batman. Who doesn't? I, I you know he's he is one of the best superheroes there is, and I just never none of the concepts for any other games really look to capture what I liked about Batman, and I feel like this has the potential to do that. Mm-hmm. in a big way so that's really exciting for me yeah runescape I, well I, I this is weird to me because i don't know i never thought that runescape was really that popular but it's been around for so long i guess it just kind of found its niche audience and it's just crept up on people and continued to steadily make money all these years i did, did anyone else here play runescape back in the day i i was i was i think i was pretty big into it for like a year but i compared to whatever iteration it's in now i probably have no idea what's going on uh yeah i guess i guess i'm the, I'm the lone <laughs> yeah, sorry i don't know but no, I, I, I haven't played it actually uh i know people are very excited about this announcement but i have no <laughs> i have no sentimental attachment to this game so no comment i yeah. i did not learn this game's existence i think until well after its popularity mm, yeah yeah that's it's also like it's a fairly generic game like to me the whole the appeal of it at the time was that mmos were a big novelty other than like everquest or something and it was free and you just played it in your web browser that was like the great thing about it and i feel like but in terms of the lore and like the characters i couldn't name a single thing in that game that's unique or (laughs) special compared to any other fantasy story so i don't know i'm curious how that's if, if maybe they added that stuff later or i just didn't pay attention to it and uh you know et that's fun well who doesn't love et i bet it'll be a fun game mm-hmm. i mean yeah you're right funko is on a roll with their licensed games i think they always treat them respect respectfully and accurately so i have no doubts about this one too yeah it seems like a perfect fit for for their style all right so that's the news for this week let's talk about what's coming out in the world of crowdfunding in kickstarter pickstarter oh this one looks nice it's nice it's nice this one kickstarter pickstarter so i know that uh, pandasaurus has a big project currently on kickstarter uh normally we uh you know each each one of us would just highlight a project or two that we're particularly excited about or or backing right now so i'll leave it up to you danny if you want to talk about skate summer now uh or if you want to talk about it later because i know you've also been playing it a lot or if you want to talk about it and talk about another thing that you're excited about just just go wild do whatever feels right to you (laughs) off the rails um I'll talk about it now, uh, since it is live on Kickstarter right now. Uh, but I, I have backed something recently, which is also on our, our list, I see. So two for one. Perfect. 
Yeah, so Skate Summer is our project uh, that we launched just a week ago on the 18th. Uh, think of this as Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the board game. Uh, you are yeah. a skater. You're playing tricks on your skateboard. Uh, and each trick has a few elements, primarily arrows that point you to the left or the right. Those mean that you have to lean to the left or the right when you play that trick. So you're, mal- you're managing your balance meter on your board. Um, <laughs> you don't want to bail because if you bail, you lose some of your progress. Uh, it is, and people laugh at you. They think you're slightly less cool than you were two seconds ago. Uh, <laughs> generally, generally, you want to stay on your board. However, the longer you stay on your board, aka the more cards you play, the harder it is to stay on your board because we're going to be rolling balanced dice in addition to your cards with one more die being added to the pool with each card. And there's a direction die too. So it'll veer you to the left or the right. So you're trying to play cards that steer you in the right direction, but also match the type of trick that you need to play because your tricks are tied to your movement on the board. There's like, the mechanics are very intuitive. They're very straightforward. You, You hear them once and you understand exactly what you need to do. But executing the moves properly is the tricky puzzle. Um, and of course, on your board, you're trying to collect different letters that spell skater, just like the board games. <laughs> um, <laughs> each letter will upgrade part of your board, which is really nice, uh, especially if people go for different letters in different orders, because then you kind of develop your own unique play style. Uh, and then you're collecting bells, smashing crates, all the good stuff from the video games. So have you been, uh, you know, I assume you, do you, are you involved in any way in like the play testing? Do you give feedback or do you just get to like have fun and play it? So you know how to, you know, talk to people about it. What, what's been your direct interaction with skate summer? So the official play testing was wrapped up before we start the artwork and really solidify the rules that that's what I qualify as development. However, as we make the graphic design decisions and get that artwork and and make our prototypes, um, it's very valuable for us to play it again (laughs) because Mm. then we get to test the user experience and make sure that, oh, is our iconography large enough to see on the board or is the contrast in player colors high enough so that you can actually figure out whose piece is whose at a glance. Uh, So for that kind of stuff, I actually do give feedback because I I like to play the games pretty early, as you mentioned, to get that marketing uh, experience, right? I play the game. I know it's fun. I know it's not fun, but it could be fun for other people. So I find it valuable to play. Um, But in that, I sometimes catch typos or I experience something that's kind of clunky that we can still fix because we're playing the prototype still. Um, So it's early enough in the process to, to kind of tweak. Got it. Yeah. And I, and I'm kind of jealous cause it looks really fun. <laughs> uh, I, I love the, the art style is kind of like, I think I want to say it's like nineties influenced, like that's sort of, which I think is appropriate, but it's got this like very fun, bright, colorful kind of, uh, almost like bubblegum sort of look to it. Very mm-hmm. inviting. And yeah, I love the, I love games where, you know, it looks like you have a skateboard and I love that it kind of mimics that, like you said, actually the, the balance on your board in a puzzly way 
seems very thematic. I'm I'm into it. I I, I love this. I love this concept and the look of it too. Also, I I love the the monster skater you have. Oh yeah, <laughs> great. That guy is great. The mon skater. Mon skater. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mon skater. And now you have another game we actually saw uh, back at uh, at Pax Unplugged with the the snow sports. You have this. Are you guys now? Is this the year of the like X Games in Pandasaurus? <laughs> oh my goodness! Apparently, good things come in twos, right? Because last year we <laughs> released two time travel games and two dinosaur games. Uh, and I guess two nature games, if you count Brew and Umbravia. Um, yeah, happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Just making double features all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so Skate Summer is up there right now. It's been funded, but it's up for uh, another couple of weeks. Uh, $50 for the retail edition. There's also a special edition, uh, which, which what does the special edition have? Upgraded components and everything? Right. So there's upgraded components. Some of the stretch goals actually apply for both games, like the unique card art we've unlocked for the the trick cards. Um, but the really important thing about the special edition is that where that's where you can find the monsters, <laughs> like oh yes, Luther and the alien that we're picking a name for tomorrow, and maybe oh, more. we haven't revealed yet. <laughs> Wow. All oh, right. Man. All right. Good teases. Good teases. Very <laughs> excited about the Mon Skaters. Uh, yeah. So check out Skate Summer. All right. So now I'll give you another. What's another pick from your just from your pure heart that maybe is something you're excited about? Maybe it's something you're actually even backing uh, that's available for people, other people to try to back right now. Oh, yeah. The Granha, hands down. I'm very excited for this one. All right. Now I, I am someone. So this is uh, a big uh, deluxe master set of the game. I am uh, a, a, someone who is a newbie to this world. So please tell me what what's what do you love so much about Lagrana? Uh, so I own the original version. Um, <laughs> it's it's a classic euro, right? You're managing your resources. You're farming, which is one of my weaknesses as a cavernistan. Um, but I love the mix of area control by delivering you, you place one of your pawns, I guess, in this central area. Uh, and if your pawn is next to someone who's, uh, who has a lesser value pawn, you kick them off the board. Uh, and area control is not usually my thing, but this is so kind of gentle. (laughs) It's not fighting. It's just, you're delivering orders to the market. Um, but it gives you so many victory points. It's so nice. <laughs> and then the multi-use cards. I think that's where LeBron has, shines, right? Because the each card has four areas and you get to choose um, how you use it, whether that's the middle for a specialist that gives you uh, powers that break the normal rules, whether that's to extend your fields and give you room for more goods or more pigs, um or up top to fulfill those orders i think it's so clever and the design meshes everything really beautifully that is one of the things i feel like we always comment on anytime there's cards that you can use in more than one way it's it's such just such a good design choice i think always well i've I've played enough games when even if a card is strong if you don't draw it when you need it when you have that dead hand so right. pretty much doubling the chance of them being useful is always just a relief. Yeah, yeah, or or tripling or quadrupling it maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's and it just it just anything that adds more decisions makes it more interesting, and I guess could potentially 
is this one of those long Euro farming games that's going to be kind of heavy? Is it on the heavier end? Mm, I think it's around the two hour mark. It's okay. not, it doesn't take all day long. Um, okay. And it doesn't overstay its welcome to me at least. Awesome. Well, that's, so that's Lagranja, the deluxe master set, which I know has all kinds of uh, new modules included and all, everything's been upgraded and deluxified. Uh, and that's $89 right now on uh, Kickstarter. Will, do you have a particular pick this week of a project you want to talk about? I do. And it is one that we've already played, talked about, and loved. And that's Thunder Road Vendetta. Oh, right. this, is, this is the relaunch. Of yes. <laughs> this is the Mad Max-like world in which you are all racing, blowing up cars along the way. And it is just a really fun take, especially if you just like seeing combos and chaos happen on the board it, it, it's just hilarious to watch as one car hits another which hits another car which blows up that car which causes another car to spin which goes back into the car that initially started everything like it's just fun to watch <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's we played a pretty early kind of rough looking prototype of it uh at gen con last year uh, but yeah, it's from Restoration Games. This is, and this is a, their remake of just called Thunder Road, I believe, which came out in 1986. And there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in this game. I, we, we, we've definitely talked about it a couple of times. If you, if you are into uh, rolling dice and throwing cars around and making them try to blow each other up, this looks like a really fun classic kind of experience in that regard. I'm I'm curious, maybe Danny, you have some insight into this because as I said, this is a relaunch. They canceled it initially when they realized they were not going to hit the funding that they wanted to. And they came back and I think tried to market it a little better and prep people for the, for the second launch. Is that something that, uh, you know, has that has that has that ever happened to Pandasaurus? That's something you you plan for or think about, or do you just see in general on Kickstarter? Um, it's not happened to Pandasaurus, as far as I'm aware, but I definitely understand why it happens to some campaigns. They say your first twenty four, your first forty eight hours, and your last forty eight hours will be the same in terms of how much money you've made. So if your first forty eight hours isn't up to par you can kind of project your overall uh, funding timeline, like the, the lifetime of what you'll make during the campaign. Um, there are a lot of costs that go into running a Kickstarter campaign, not to mention actually producing the game itself. So if you're not making the right margin, the product isn't viable. However, relaunching, I think, is always the right call since you've had to invest so much money already. Um, might as well give it like as good of a shot as you can. Uh, and it looks like it's paying off for restoration. They've already surpassed their 300K goal. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope it does. I mean, I feel like I, I, with some of these companies, I'm like, well, of course it's going to work. You know, like they're, <laughs> it's a game that's, that's solid and it's a publisher that's established. They'll, they'll find a way to make it work. So, and it looks like that's going well for them so far. Uh, so that's Thunder Road Vendetta. Mm -hmm. Ha has anyone bucks. ever tried to make a game about like you're all competing on a crowdfunding site? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's been one that's like was made by one guy and wasn't good, but yeah, I don't think there's been a real, a real earnest stab at it. 
I think there's potential there. There you go. Anything we say, Danny, feel free to take notes. <laughs> you can have it. Got it. Yeah, my notepad's ready. Good, good. Uh, All right. Uh, I have a pick as well that I will bring to you. Uh, And it has to be this game called One More Quest from a horrible guild, which is set in the universe of Dungeon Fighter, which is the dexterity board game that they have. But this is a role-playing game a tabletop RPG with a fantasy theme, uh, but it's got a sort of a humorous bent to it. There's goofy bureaucracy happening. Your enemies are going to be slumlords and, and who are making their citizens pay rent kind of weird little things like that. And the other thing that makes it very different from most other RPGs is that if you're making some kind of a skill check, you're trying to fight somebody or sneak by somebody or whatever the case may be, You're not just rolling a die. You are throwing a die onto a target board, a round board with, you know, numbers on it, like a target. And you're trying to get the die to land as close to the center as possible to get more points. Complicating things further, depending on your character, what you're trying to do, and maybe some conditions you have, you'll have to be doing other stuff alongside that. Uh, So uh, maybe you have to jump up in the air as you throw the die. Maybe if you're trying to like brute force your way through something, you have to actually slam your fist on the table to get the die to shake (laughs) to the target. Or maybe you have to hold it in a specific way or like put a little flourish on it if you're doing a charismatic kind of a role. And uh, this, I love, I love this concept. I love any kind of RPG that does something very different with its system. And it makes me think of there's the horror RPG dread, which kind of has a Jenga like component to it. Uh, anytime the, or there's also Icarus, which had like a big tower kind of of dice, uh, the adding a dexterity element to RPGs seems to be a thing that works. And this seems like fun. I do wonder, my hope is that you're not making a role that often because I feel like if it, it could get tiresome if you have to like jump up and spin around every two minutes to make some kind of a check and maybe you'd get <laughs> kind of bored of that. But I, you know, I trust horrible guild to make a good product. And this, this sounds like a really fun novel idea. Uh, All I know else? is you mm-hmm. drinks off the table. <laughs> yes, this is this is definitely a game. Food and drink are you need a side. To, maybe the table needs to be like four feet away from the main area, <laughs> or dice are gonna go into it. Did uh, either of you play the original Dungeon Fighter? I have not. I don't think oh, either. No, it's it's a blast. This is one that Yellow used to publish. So uh, when I work there, we demo it at Gen Con and Origins, and oh my gosh, it's hysterical. Um, it, everyone's laughing around the table. Even if you miss your throw, your, your, your roll, or you know, sometimes throw, <laughs> um, it's still a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I love that they've turned it into an RPG, like on, on the page themselves, they're talking about how the, the trick rolls that you have to do, um, are made to mirror the action your character would be taking in this role-playing world. So it boosts the immersion. And I love that angle. Oh, God, I really am not looking forward to grappling then. (laughs) (laughs) Just fighting over a die. Yeah, like there was one, like they said, if you're using a crossbow, maybe you have to flick the die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that concept is great. 
yeah, as I said, I like Horrible Guild a lot. Uh, hadn't played Dungeon Fighter, and I know they had some like new versions of it on Kickstarter not that long ago. And but there's also there was always like there's different versions of it. I think it intimidated me. I was like, I don't know which version of it i'm supposed to play do i need all of them or both of them or <laughs> do i mix them together uh but it does look like a lot of fun and i'm glad to hear that the the core game is good it seems like it'd be a really fun basis for this rpg so this uh again is one more quest and you can get the digital edition of it for about 25 us dollars uh or you can get a physical boxed starter set for uh, $57 right now for, for early birds. I guess that's, yeah, that's still going on for a few more days if you're checking this out. Uh, okay, and that is the stuff that we're excited about on Kickstarter this week. Why don't we move on to games that we have been playing in Table Talk? I don't know, Mike. Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. All right, now we're going to talk about games that we have played in real life uh, Danny, I know you've, you've been playing a couple of games that we kind of already covered a little bit because they also have versions or iterations on Kickstarter <laughs> right now. Uh, but I will, I will let you uh, kick it off to talk about whatever uh, you want to discuss that you've been playing recently. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Skate Summer for work <laughs> and uh, LeGronha because I live right near Theo, Geeky Gamer Guy. He's my, mm. my gaming buddy, so he did the preview for LeGranha, so I've played that recently, too. Um, but over the holidays, we had a couple friends over who aren't super gamers, so we're playing a lot of approachable games that aren't too rules-heavy. Um, oh, this is probably annoying to say since it's also work-related to me, but I played a lot of the new Repos um, releases. I translate their rule books as well. So hmm. we played So Clover, which is um, not exactly a follow-up to just one, but it is a word game in the same vein, uh, hmm. where you have this clover-shaped board and these square cards with a word on each on each side of the square, so four words on them. And uh, when you lay these cards on your clover, they make pairs of the two words next to each other. And you write clues on your on your clover board to connect those two words. Then you add a fifth card, mix up your cards, and everyone else has to put the cards back in the right order using just the clues that you've left them. Uh, but you can't tell them which card is the fifth red herring, uh, and you get to see how people's brains work. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a blast playing So Clover, and <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, it can be, sometimes it can be kind of stressful i feel like when you're the person who wrote who put the clues out yeah who wrote the clues and you're like oh they're not they're not getting it they didn't get that one yeah. <laughs> well, it's even better like you said with the fifth card because there are multiple times where you're like oh okay this this will do this will work and that fifth card because you don't see it it comes out and you're just like oh no that works better Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And then everyone's like, well, there's no way. The one thing we can be certain of and you're is just that sitting there biting your tongue, stressing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could always be a challenge. Or or when they actually it's like they're about to do it right, but one person's like, I really don't think that one card. And they're like, Yeah, you know what, you're right. And you're just like, you had it. You had it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my one thing really with So Clover, which is not really fair to So Clover, but it's just more uh, like about me and the larger 
selection, the pool of games that are out there is I, I do feel like I'm starting to get fatigued on word guessing party games, even though that's that's one of my favorite genres. Like if I love those games and usually if someone makes one, I'm excited about it. Uh, but it is, I do feel like for so clover, I was a little bit like, yeah, this is really good. But you know, if you have code names and you have just one in these games, do you, do you need so clover? I don't know that it uh, like quite pushes past that boundary for me, but uh, you know, for all, the other thing is all these games are like pretty sm- small and cheap, so it doesn't hurt too much to have a bunch of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can understand that. I definitely, they all scratch that same itch. So I usually end up choosing one in a game night and play that instead of playing all three back to back. Right. Right. Yeah. Different flavors. See, just throw them out there and see uh, what people like. Well, John, you know what we need? We need the huge Kickstarter word game that has 200 minis, (laughs) a legacy (laughs) campaign. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. Why hasn't someone made that a a mini of a word or just letter minis? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, I level up A, I've unlocked capital. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you can have all of this for free. All right, uh, what else have you been playing? Anything with the the same group or different groups? Mm. Uh, Seven Wonders Architects was another we played recently with that same new-to-games group. Um, It's basically, uh, I guess I describe it as babies for Seven Wonders (laughs) Um, because it distills down the original you know, the, one of the original pick and pass card drafting games into its core mechanics, which is you have these decks of cards between you have three choices. Uh, you pick the card and play it, and you're trying to build your wonder first. That's how the game end is triggered. Um, but it still has the same card symbols as Seven Wonders. It has the same wonders, but this time they're all uh, punch board. They're all cardboard puzzle pieces. So you actually get to see your wonder come to life as you build it, which I really love and which was in the original. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we played a ton of that. Yeah, I, I, you know, we we played this as well recently. And in fact, we almost were maybe going to play it uh, just this last weekend, but but it didn't end up getting to it. Uh, but I, it is, I'm glad to hear that you, you know, got to actually try it with a group of less experienced gamers because I, I feel like that's a perfect game mm-hmm. for them and we're, we're, i was talking about how recently how you know seven wonders in my mind that's like a gateway it's like an entry game <laughs> but there are some more complicated concepts in it if you're not if you're not used to drafting and that kind of thing and yeah. architects is a really nice onboarding experience i mean like i, I saw like coming from magic you know i know all about drafting and like you even though i'm bad at it like there are bombs <laughs> there's hate drafting there's this and seven wonders has that in a much more, I think, friendly, acceptable way. But it still has a lot of those choices. If you don't know the game, you're going to feel overwhelmed. Like, how was I not supposed? How was I supposed to know that glass is important? Like, it's harder <laughs> to get that or something. Right. And the chain um, can be overwhelming for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But I, I do think in this one, like you said, also it's more tactile and stuff. You're building your wonder. So, and you only really have to worry about your left and right and center pile so there's it's easier to learn everything and what's nice though is because they use all the same symbology you could then bring out seven wonders be like oh i remember this Mm -hmm. this is paper right Right. (laughs) these are cards (laughs) 
I know how this works. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a great resource there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, for me, the, the, the wonders are my favorite part of that game. I love mm-hmm. that you actually get to see them get constructed. Oh, right. and they have special abilities. In right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. I also love, it's nice to have that added, you know, unique kind of power is always cool. Add, add some replay value as well. So that's seven wonders architects. We've been playing some stuff over here too. Will, I know you've been playing something I haven't been playing. Uh, yeah, I've been playing a bunch of the Transformers deck building game, doing a, both some solo as well as some both cooperative competitive to actually I was uh, editing the video for this right before this podcast because uh, I take way too long doing things and get distracted <laughs> and procrastinate. But it right. is it is your basic deck builder. You're, it's in the Transformers world. You are playing as the Autobots and you can I, like I said, there's competitive or cooperative and it really feels like they tried to keep the basics of a lot of deck building, but like we want to add some stuff. So everyone doesn't say this isn't just legendary or the DC deck building game. Like the lineup. One of the things I like is the lineup becomes a matrix. You move around. You can't just buy something. So there's a bit more like a board there. Hmm. So it's uh, like you have to be adjacent to a card or something. To, you, to- you move on it. You have a pawn. That you okay. move around. You actually you can be adjacent. There are some cards that give range. Um, that's probably the most positive thing I could say about this. Oh boy. I, th- I I know I'm not perfect. I'm not the one making all the how to play videos, but I felt like this was weirdly <laughs> no, you're perfect. one of the hardest games for me to learn in a while. Huh. Like it, the rule book was very, I don't think greatly organized. The cards are designed. There are do you fight Decepticons? You don't put them in your deck, but they're designed to look like they go in your deck because there is one card that may or may not be in the game that lets you put them in your deck. So I felt like they just added so much like niche situations that just made things complicated for the sake of complexity. Hmm. And to me, that just started to really bother me because I'm like, I'm just trying to play this. Why does this look like this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. which which is, which is a shame because this is this is your this should be your favorite game of all time. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's I mean, Transformers building and Transformers. And building. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I wish that uh, Renegades Game Studios actually went with decided to copy a system. You know, like the Cryptozo, was it Cerberus and Chimera? Yeah. I always forget yeah. which is which. <laughs> yeah, but the Power Rangers one I think was actually a better fit. Like the game mechanics for that sound like it would fit better for transformers, like head to head battle. One side Decepticons, one side's Autobots. Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at it and uh, I've heard other than you, I haven't heard anything about the transformers game, but I did hear fairly positive things about the power Rangers game. And it's the same designers. Yeah, no, I felt like that one I I played, I haven't played it as much, but that one I played is actually like, well, it's that is it's unique. Take makes sense. And it does the same thing here in which, there are cards you can buy or destroy, but it's not a one card does it. It's a core mechanic, so you don't you know about that right off the bat. Hmm. And I feel like, like I said, be a lot more people. There's no way to play Decepticons here if you're a fan of that. Um, but I'm sure there's an expansion that will come out. Um, yeah. And I, I it, do, it really does feel like they wanted to be like, look, this is completely different. And in the end, it like I, it's complexity for complexity's sake. And one more thing to add. 
Bumblebee should not be the worst or the most difficult character. And to me, he was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the, your that's your yeah. ET. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you John, you played plenty of deck building games. You know how like they all have their shtick of like this one likes equipments, this one likes like right. uh, uh he likes allies, which pretty much are cards that when you buy them stay out in front of you. So everyone wants them. Mm. <laughs> and there are only like six in the entire deck that, might, once again, might not all be there. So every time Bumblebee was being played, if you weren't playing cooperative mode where the Bumblebee player could be like, leave that for me, please. <laughs> they, they were just left behind. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's rough. Well, that that's too bad. Too, too bad to hear that. Sounds like I don't need to play it. Yeah, no. One of the reasons why I was playing through it and I did solo first, I'm like, that's where all the air I'm like. I'm just going to go do this with other people because I know if I'm getting frustrated, <laughs> Jonathan will somehow pull out his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a, I'll find a place and I'll, I'll pull some hair. Uh, Danny, are you, are you a Transformers fan at all? Any of this uh, mean anything to you? <laughs> it's okay. I know I'm weird. You can say no. It'll be fine. <laughs> this is kind of a perfect circle of a diagram of things I'm not interested in. Oh, man. <laughs> and Transformers. So. You're the opposite of, of Will. So maybe if Will hated it, maybe you would love it. <laughs> hmm. uh, interesting experiment to try there. Uh, well, anyway, that's Transformers Deck Building Game. Check out our YouTube channel to see Will's uh, more in-depth review on it pretty soon, or now probably. Uh, we also had a little game night get-together where we had a whole bunch of people seven to be exact, which for us is a lot. Usually we have like, we max out at four. Uh, so that meant that pretty much it was very hard to play most games. <laughs> and I thought I was so clever. I'm like, here are all my big group games. And you literally like, well, he's all max at six. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that didn't work out. And it was, uh, you know, it was one of those nights where it was more of a, it was like a pretty a casual party sort of a vibe. There wasn't much, uh, I, I knew nothing too complex was getting played uh which is fine uh, once in a while and so we played uh a game called fangs which we're also going to be reviewing soon this is a social deduction game from uh, cosmos and it's based on a japanese game the new theme of it is uh werewolves vampires it's essentially twilight and even the art kind of looks to me like a like a bad romance novel it has that sort of vibe to it and it's like if you've played werewolf or any of that style of game, everyone has a secret role. If you're a vampire, you want to kill all the werewolves, vice versa, if you're a werewolf. And if you're a human, you have your own special goal. So you might not care about the werewolves or vampires one way or another. Maybe you want to die first, some of them, or maybe you want to uh, get a certain number of items or something like that. And the way the game works is you're traveling around uh, to different actions, drawing cards, and uh, you'll be able to use those items to attack people maybe. And uh, hopefully you're going to try to figure out who's not on your team so you can fight them. Or you can ask people questions that are question cards you actually give to people and they'll be very specific. So it'll say like, are you a werewolf? And they will have to tell you yes or no secretly in some way. And so there, there are ways to deduce information in that sense. So, you know, we, we've played a number of these style, the style of game. I do think what makes this one pretty unique is the fact that there are three different teams and uh, most people have, a lot of people have their own individual goals. Everybody has their own special power as well. And you're allowed to reveal your, uh, 
your card at any time. If you just want to tell people who you are and use your special ability, you can you can go for it. You could turn one, say, hey, I'm a vampire. What's up? Let's have some fun. Uh, so we, we played a couple of rounds uh, of this one. Uh, and I think it's, I'm trying to remember what the outcomes of the game were. Who who actually won? Did vampires, werewolves won the first game. <laughs> and no, I think no they was, won this. I thought that, no, I think vampires won. No. Werewolves <laughs> won both? It doesn't matter. One Both times, well, I guess one of those teams, I guess my question is, did any of the humans win either yeah, game? I, I won in the first one. What no, wait, I just, I, no, I didn't. I died. <laughs> I remember I was coming close. That was the thing. My head was like, I remember I was like, I mean, I got this banked. There's so much going on in this game. You can't even keep track of who's winning or losing. Uh, did a human win? in the? I think a human won in the first game, but I don't think any human won the second game. Yeah, this is the kind of game where multiple people can win. So a team can win and theoretically multiple humans could win depending on their their goals. Uh, so like I said, we're going to we'll review this one in depth, but early thoughts on on fangs was it i mean i i know i guess my question for you will because i know you're typically not a fan of social deduction games it seemed to me like this one is a little more it doesn't re, you don't really have to lie that much in it yeah no i don't think i mean it's technically hidden roles but didn't feel nearly a social deduction i mean you have the well, questions you are deducing <laughs> right but i mean like so i guess the social part is really the uh, okay yeah fair enough because the you have the questions where you can like limit the uh, people down or how they attack, but also the health. You have a health tracker, and you know that certain roles are in the game. And if someone's health passes like the eight point, like the first health limit, you're like, all right, that player is not that person. So mm-hmm. it feels like there's a lot more solid like facts that it's you more can, like a logic I can rely on. It. Yes, right. If, if Timmy is at fifteen health while George is at four. How many turns it will it take before the werewolves win? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not it's not as much about reading people, although you can do some of that. Um, so, Danny, you're not not a deck building person. Are you a social deduction person? In theory, I really enjoy these games. However, I'm an awful, awful liar. <laughs> so, whenever I play, when a game does rely on people's reactions or acting, <laughs> whatever. If I end up being the traitor, whatever the, the quote unquote bad rule is, we usually have to redeal because people know right away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't play them very often. <laughs> you you might you sound uh, like you belong in my camp. Yeah. <laughs> you might enjoy Fangs because yeah, you you can kind of get away with lying or not lying. You if you want to, you could just say up front, here's who I am and, mm-hmm. and play it that way, which could be to your disadvantage or advantage. You know, it's pretty situational, but there are a lot of different characters and things in there. But an interesting uh, different take on the genre. Uh, I I'll also talk about one other game, which is technically not a board game. This is a video game, but it's so board game-ish that I, I thought it has its place on this podcast. Uh, and the game is called Inscription. Danny, are you familiar at all with Inscription? No, no. So, okay. So Inscription, for you and anyone else listening who doesn't know, this is a roguelike deck-building digital card game. So uh, Slay the Spire, I think, really kicked off this trend of these digital deck-building-style games. And essentially... The the rules of it's a card game, so it's a card game in digital form where you're actually you have a hand of cards and you see a you know a table in on the screen, so it's very much simulating all of that. 
And the rules of it are pretty simple. You have what are essentially different kinds of creatures and you play them and they attack. And if there's another creature in front of them, they hit that one. And if there isn't, they attack the, your enemy and you're trying to reduce their health total. Pretty basic. Like a lot of these card games, that's how it works. It's a uh, two by four grid. So you can have four cards and you're just facing off against the other side, which is always an AI. There's no multiplayer. This is a single player experience. What makes this game very interesting is that it takes place in the world of the game in a weird little cabin. And you're playing this game against a mysterious shadowy dude who uh, is talking to you and being creepy as you play. And he's actually, he's almost like acting like your GM. Uh, and as you play, you're little, you have a little figure on a map that's moving to different locations. And if you're fighting a boss, for instance, this guy puts a mask over his face and acts like now he's that boss and like gets into character. So it's kind of meta in that way. And you can also at certain times, uh, pretty much anytime you're not actively like in a match, you can stand up from the table and you can walk around this cabin and there's stuff on the walls. Like there's a clock and there's some weird items and things and you can interact with them. And there's almost a, like a layer that's like an escape room that you're inside of a card game for or the other way around. And maybe you can open a drawer and solve a puzzle and you'll find a new card and that card will appear in your deck from now on. And that's just kind of, that's the core of the game that is, that is, I found very, very enjoyable. The other thing that I really love about it is as you go, you can upgrade your cards. Uh, and when you die, you get to create a new card that you can purchase in the future that's like an amalgamation of other cards you had in your deck. And through this, you can make some really broken OP combos. <laughs> I had a card that was like, had seven attack, seven health. And every time you played it, it, it was a free card to play. And every time you played it, it created a copy of itself in your hand. <laughs> so if I had that card in my opening turn, I would just basically wipe the field and win immediately. <laughs> uh, and I've seen even more broken things than that. And I, you know, maybe that sounds like, oh, it's unbalanced or something. But in the context of the game, it's very fun to find ways to make things like that. But what really makes this game special is the, there is a story to it. And unlike something like Slay the Spire, it's not the kind of game you're going to play forever. It has an ending and it evolves as you go. And I think it's an experience that in a lot of ways, it feels like a love letter to people, to card games and also to, I think, content creators of card games in a way. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting uh, and it had a, really impacted me. Uh, it, it's like I said, it, it gets pretty meta. If that's the kind of thing that you're into, uh, it, it's more than just a deck building roguelike game without giving too much away. There's a lot more under the surface there. I, so I highly recommend this, this game inscription to anybody listening. Uh, I was, I was pretty excited about it. I don't, I don't usually get into the, I haven't even played Slate the Spire, but I had heard good things and I really loved this game. Well, the way you, des you describe that card you made, Probably explains why they don't have a PVP. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is no PVP, solely AI. There is a, like a mod right now that's in beta, I think, that's um, 
does have kind of an endless mode. Uh, but yeah, this uh, it's on Steam. Uh, it's I think it's usually twenty bucks, but it goes on sale. So uh, if you like any of these kinds of games, highly recommend the Inscription. All right, that is the stuff that we have been playing. Uh, before we go, you know what? Uh, we're actually going to end the show with a question from our Meeple Gallery. Meeple Gallery. That's right. That's those are all our little meeples that uh, listen to the show and uh, like to talk to us sometimes and ask questions. And once again, we're, we're digging into the mailbag to hear from our friend Hoser 40 K who usually likes to send us 8,000 questions in a batch. Uh, and sometimes we answer them in our Patreon podcast, but uh, there's one here that I've picked out that's specifically board game related that I think will be interesting to, for all of us to try to answer. And the question is, it's, it's actually, it's, it's kind of a hypothetical situation he presents. He says, you are now esteemed professors at Board Game University, uh, in parentheses, home of the die, roll, die, roll. <laughs> question, what is your field of expertise and what is the name of your most popular course? So if you were to be a professor at a board game university, or maybe just give a seminar of some kind, maybe you're a guest lecturer on the subject of board games. What do you think, uh, what would your seminar be? What would the class you teach be on? And I guess, do you have a name for your most popular course? Uh, Danny, I'm curious. I'll, I'll ask you first and maybe, maybe like hard mode for you is that it can't be about uh, marketing or rule book translation. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have an answer lined up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to let you get away that easy. <laughs> it, it could be those things, but uh, you know, uh, you can elaborate on, on either one of those or something else if you'd like. No, no. I guess I'd be a lecturer in the communications department. Um, and my class would be how to pick first player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what would be, what is your preferred method of picking first player? Um, I love the silly ones. Like, mm. uh, whoever was, whoever trained a Raptor most recently, or whoever did something rad most recently, I <laughs> love coming up with those. Um, but if all else fails, I use Schwazi. So if I'm reading a, a yellow rule book, is it likely that you came up with a weird thing in there? Is that is that something you translate or is that something that you get to make up? Uh, most of the time, the French team has done a good job of picking something thematic, but there are times that I'll tweak it to be uh, a more American-centric reference or, you know, word. Sometimes they'll reference a, a French like cultural game that we don't have here. Um, but so yeah, sometimes it's my work. <laughs> okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you get to have fun with it sometimes. <laughs> Will, what do you think? You gotta, what, you get, what are you going to, and I think also for us, it can't be like making YouTube videos or something <laughs> <laughs> too, too easy. They, they wouldn't hire me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think, Mine would probably be cooperative games and how to play it for the story. <laughs> mm. uh, 
So, so, okay. So like teaching, teaching, uh, stress-free, like how to get along with each other. Oh no, 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 no. This is about like just being with the game. You don't care about the other players at the table. That's my other Mm. class. Spite and hatred of (laughs) one Oh one. Those are also good. Those are also good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, I guess, I guess again, it's not, I'm trying not to just say like how to teach a game. Although I, I think maybe I could try to try to do. I'm sure that's that's something I'm sure you could do as well, Danny, with experience with rule books and everything. Um, but, and I think that's also like a, that's one of the more valuable skills that you might want to learn if you're in the board game <laughs> hobby. Maybe how to learn a game, <laughs> how to sit there and listen <laughs> when someone's explaining <laughs> a game. Um, yeah, I'm trying to if there's another specific uh Field of expertise, board most popular course. Maybe I wonder if anyone, any of us would have. Is there a specific type of game that you think you're really good at, or a specific strategy that you're really good at? Maybe maybe mine would be how to lie, (laughs) how to lie and cheat in social deduction games. I'm more of like a jack of all trades. What I would like, I think, more. I wish I was smart enough to teach it. I definitely would want to take this class. Would be like your brain on board games, Mm. like analyzing, like how your brain reacts to certain kind of games and like putting people in like MRI machines while they're playing hidden role games or other things and seeing Ooh. how they interact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds cool. I, I, would, I would love that. There you go. I, I'm always, I mean, I'm fascinated by the history of board games and also the design of board games. So again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be teaching these classes, but I would <laughs> love to take a class about, you know, just, just, I, Oh, you know, it'd be a great one. Board games. Yeah. Art for board games. Mm. Mm. Led by Quanchi. Yeah. Granted, that Sorry. might just be a oh, class. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. like to take a lecture in the horticulture department so I can learn how not to let my people starve in Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is also a good one. Yeah, really. I need that lecture too. Uh, well, we, we have a friend who really needs that lecture real bad. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right. So uh, look forward to our lectures. Attend our university opening up soon. Sign sign up for enrollment now. Go dice. <laughs> Go dice. Roll, 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 die, roll. <laughs> Thank you for that question, Hoser. If you would like to submit a question or comment about board games, you can email us, meeplegallery at gmail.com. But that's going to wrap up our show. Danny, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And I also want to award you with some experience points for helping us out in our quest today. You can now spend those in order to let everybody know how and where they can follow what you're doing online. Excellent. Well, if you talk to a Pandasaurus online, you're probably talking to me. If you would like to talk to me for sure, you can find me at Danny Below, B-E-L-O-W. I guess D-A-N-N-I, B-E-L-O-W. Pretty much anywhere across the internet. We will have links to that stuff in the show notes. Check it out. And I mean, it goes without saying, if you aren't familiar with Pandasaurus games, I'm sure they have some games you would like. <laughs> so that's a probably safe bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, so go go check that out. If you're listening to this, you probably already know about it. But Danny, thank you again. Uh, love what you do. Happy that you were able to join us this week. Uh, anyone listening, if you want more Roll for Crit, you can find it at rollforcrit.com. We've got our YouTube videos. We have our Patreon page linked there if you would like to support us that way. Or you could just uh, rate and review us on iTunes. is also very nice. Or again, email us, submit a question, or on social media, however you want to get in touch. Reach out. We'll be happy to hear from you. Till next week, I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit.